as we look to the, the Word of God this morning, um, I want us to think about the patterns and patterns of our life, um, patterns that we live by. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 says, The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. All Christians are soldiers in the army of God. We hear about this over and over again in Scripture from Philippians chapter 2 and 2 Timothy chapter 2 in Philemon chapter 1. Jesus is the Lord of hosts, and we, together as his church, are his hosts. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but we are at war. We fight against principalities. We fight against powers, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And therefore, we must, we must put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against these forces, against this wickedness, against the schemes of the devil. We fight the good fight of faith and we lay hold of eternal life to which we have been called. Our weapons are not flesh, but we have been given divine power to destroy strongholds, arguments, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God to take captive every thought to obey Jesus Christ. In this Advent season, as a church, marked today, I want us to renew our commitment to wage this warfare against every manifestation of sin, the flesh, and the devil. When we talk about patterns in Scripture, one of the most striking things is the way God works in history. It's a pattern. It's him announcing, and he loves to do this, announcing that things are finished before anyone can see it. Sounds a little ridiculous. But it's not. You bring home the puzzle or the Legos. What do you look at? Well, you've looked at the final product first. It's on the box. This is how God works. He announces things that are finished, even before they are. Even when the Legos look like they are a strewn pile of mess and you can't find that one part, he says it's finished. He does this, why? Because he is sovereign. Because he is the Lord of all. Think about it. When Abram was not a father to anyone, God revised his awkward name to Abraham, father of many nations, in order to underline what? Abraham's condition? No, his lordship. His lordship. Likewise, when Isaiah was commissioned to proclaim comfort to Israel, he commanded Israel to go up to a high mountain and announce the good news of God's salvation before the victory, before salvation arrived in history. We read about this in Isaiah 40. 
They were to tell Israel to what? To behold their God. To believe that he was coming for them with might and with power. And that he would tend his flock like a good shepherd. You know, the good news, the gospel, is very similar. Jesus was born, he lived, he died, he rose again, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, putting all things right in principle, and we announce this present reality before it can be seen. That's what Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8 tells us. Paul specifically quotes Isaiah 52 to describe the task of preaching the gospel. He says this, how beautiful Upon the mountains are the feet of those that bring good news. Who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Preaching the gospel is announcing the good news that Jesus is Lord right now at Advent. At Christmas time. This is the center of our warfare and how we are to take every thought captive to obey Jesus Christ. When you wake up each day, you do so as a servant of the King. You're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl under orders. These orders have to do with how you pattern your life. And so ask yourself, even as we go into this Advent season. Don't wait till the 31st or the 1st to think about how you pattern your life. Don't think of how you pattern your life in terms of productivity, in terms of vocation, in terms of human aspiration, but think of how you pattern your life under the lordship of Jesus. The one who says, it is finished, even as it's beginning. How, how is the Lord directing your days? How is the word of the Lord directing your parenting? How is the word of the Lord directing your obedience to your parents? How about your household management, your financial planning, your schooling, your vocational pursuits, your love life? Jesus is the Lord of what the Bible says, every thought. And therefore, every thought is either an act of obedience to the Lordship of Jesus or an act of treason. In this wonderful juxtaposition, the central word of the Lord to all men is what? Peace. Peace on earth. Goodwill. To men. When Jesus rose from the dead, he said what? Peace be with you. As Isaiah had foretold, Jesus was announcing Israel's warfare that it was over. Peace. It had ended. This is because the driving force behind every human conflict is not war with one another. It is a war against God. Every human being born into this world 
is born shaking his or her fist at our maker. But God, in his great love and in his great mercy, sent his son to make peace with his enemies. And he made peace by his blood. It is this peace that drives Christian warfare against all remaining evil. The love of Christ has reconciled us to himself and compels us to take every thought captive to this reigning peace of Jesus Christ. Paul models this wonderfully when he speaks of his ministry as jars of clay in which they carry around in their bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be manifest in their bodies. Paul and the other disciples do not lose heart at trials and tribulations in life. Why? Well, as the Word of God says, as Paul, the apostle, records in the Word of God, this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So this is your training. We don't believe in any purgatory afterlife. This is your purgatory. This is your finishing school. This is your preparation for the wonderful weight of glory. This is your marathon. Train well. Fight well. When we fight the good fight of faith... We are fighting for that eternal weight of glory. Every word, every action are either, either bows its knee and blesses Christ or it resents Christ and sh- shakes an angry fist. Paul describes this way of life as living for Christ. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, the one that has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. This living for Christ is living out the peace of Christ, which is a new creation way of living. In other words, obedience to Christ looks very different from the way unbelievers live. Does your life look different from your unbelieving friends and neighbors? What partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? This means that it will not do to thoughtlessly mimic the patterns of life in unbelief around us. We are soldiers under particular orders. Those particular orders command a way to live, and they command a way to live that is by grace. And we are to live each day asking Jesus to rule over every square inch of our lives. We want every thought to be taken captive to obey Christ. How does Jesus, in this Advent season, want you to use your time? How does Jesus want you to use your money? 
How does Jesus want you to teach your children? How does Jesus want you to organize your home? How does he want you to study? How does he want you to program computers, shovel your driveway, do your hair, spend your free time, what movies you watch, what meals you eat, how you interact with friends and serve one another as the body of Christ? How does Jesus want you to think about all these things? If the love of Jesus controls us, then we do not live for ourselves, but we live for the one who died and raised again. In this Advent season, may our firmest and fiercest resolve be for Christ, to be controlled by his love, to be as holy as he is, to walk in his light, to fight to take every thought captive to obey Christ. We want every thought, every word, every action to be a full-hearted, full-throated profession and confession that all things have been reconciled in Christ, that he made peace by the blood of the cross, even though we do not see it. We want every thought, every action, every word to acknowledge that he is the king. That's why we sing, as we do so well. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let's pray. Lord, as we think in these few moments and we respond to the word of God this morning, We pray by your Holy Spirit, because of the work of Jesus and his submission to the Father, that we would resolve in this season to make this season a season about the King who has come. That this season will be about patterning our lives in such a way that people can see and not miss that we are under orders that we are commanded by love and grace, that we are people of mercy, that we believe all things are under your control and that we are your children, filled with hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.